Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. On page three, it says, many a young man wants to do great things for God. And that was my, that was my mantra, man. That was my mission. It says, many a young man wants to do great things for God. But really, a better aim of one's life is to do things for a great God. And he says, many a man wants to do things for God, which really means I want to, I want to be well-known and popular and bring God along for the ride. But a better aim of one's life is to do things for a great God. It's like the Spirit just said, Kevin, why don't you just do things? Let me be the great one. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter. Josh, how are you doing today, man? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. You got the Tennessee Volunteer shirt on, polo. Dude, it's opening. It looks okay, but not it great because it's got the T on it. Yeah. Well, but that's okay. That's it's okay. okay. Yeah. I, I think our guest with us today is not going to like my my polo. That's no. That's okay. It's... We have free will here, you know, <laughs> with football teams that we like. But, hey, we have Kevin Queen with us today. I'm so excited about it. He's a senior pastor here at a, a church in Nashville called Cross Point Church, and uh, he's been there for a couple of years now. But, Kevin, so happy to have you on today. How you doing? Just thrilled to be with you guys. And, again, that shirt, you know, we're, just, we're all about grace right here. <laughs> oh, man, so, um, yeah, just really, 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 really glad to sit down, meet you guys, and be able to talk. So, so. Yeah, I know you don't like my polo, but you're a Georgia fan. Yeah, is that right? So my wife and I both went to both went to Georgia. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Like I grew up a Tech fan. Oh and, wow! Uh, yeah, so my dad, um, my dad's a huge Tech fan. But then when I was old enough to make my own choice, um, <laughs> you know, I got baptized. <laughs> that and team's I, better. <laughs> and I converted. So uh, and so I ended up uh, ended up going to the University of Georgia. He brainwashed my oldest child to be a Tech fan. Really? Oh wow! So my oldest boy Hijacked is a Tech it. fan. My youngest boy is a Georgia fan. And uh, wow! Yeah, so. It was, uh, so that's the story, man. So my wife and I graduated from Georgia in 99. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a big, that's big a beautiful part. campus. It is. I went down there, suffered some heartbreak during a, a couple of football games and, but I, I thought it was beautiful and it was really awesome. Yeah, it's a great place. And it was, it was like important in our spiritual journey too, from my wife and I. And then we got married in 2000, like about a year after that. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. Now I feel like there was a, there's like a group of y'all squad that went to Georgia around this. Did Annie F. Downs go Andy, there and Tyler right. Reagan? Tyler Reagan. Oh, wow. Platt, yeah. David Platt. That's right, so, yeah, David Platt. A, there was a um, there was just a move of God that happened um, in the campus ministries and just in prayer and and uh, all about the same time. I think in the ministry we were part of the Wesley Foundation. There were four. I think the number is like over four hundred people who went into vocational ministry really? out of that movement. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it was a little training ground down there. It really was, and it was like it was like Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson Airport, man, just sending people <laughs> out. Right. It's like, That's incredible. Not destination, but people just going yeah. out. So well, Georgia. Pro, you know, struggles producing championships, but at least they produce peep men and women of God <laughs> who have strong influence in, in the church and the world. We'll take so, that one. Take hey, it. We'll take yeah. it. We can win the first three quarters, man. It's there just, you go. Yeah, yeah we're, we're talking about kingdom wins, though. <laughs> That's, That's, right. That's what we're trying to get to. Well, we uh, can talk college football all day, but let's go ahead and hop into the, the first question here. And that's really just to hear about your story. So can you tell us an overview about your leadership journey, about kind of how God led you to where you are today? Yeah, if I just kind of whittle it down, I uh, grew, grew up in church. My mom and dad, they came to Christ in a revival, not like the kind you plan, but like just a move of God in, uh, in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And, uh, and they, they made a decision early on. They said, we won't be a part of a church that's not on fire you know, for God. And so we moved to a few churches, but we ended up landing and spent most of my time growing up at Hebron Baptist Church. Tequila, where um, where I think early on I was just taught 
scriptures, love, um, love for people. And, uh, and I had a great pastor who just like, who, who made a, just thousands of people feel like they were his like best friend. You yeah. know? I didn't know when we were going to hang out, but I was convinced at some point. Like, <laughs> we were, we were gonna, he just, he showed how to love and just, just pastor, just a large swath of, yeah. of people, a great leader with a heart for, um, and just evangelism. So got to see, and I thought all church was like that. I thought all pastors were like, you know, cause you only mm. know like the experience that you're in. And then, um, and then ended up after that going, uh, really sensing a call to ministry. And there were a lot of people who grew up in church there, um, who went into, went into ministry and now, but at that time didn't know what that would look like. So I went to a Christian college, a small Christian college in Northeast Georgia where I, um, I didn't get kicked out, but I got, uh, encouraged to find other educational pursuits. And so <laughs> left there, um, just didn't do, there were more rules there than there were at home, you know? And so wow. just didn't do real well with that and ended up, uh, uh, threw a scarecrow off a waterfall while the staff was having a devotional at the bottom, and that may have had something to do with it. So I screamed too, and they thought somebody jumped, and they all ran. It's Hannibal Lecter yeah. style. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Look up. There you are. That's they saw it going down. They thought somebody had launched. And so oh, that my was, goodness. That had something to do with it. And so um, ended up going back to junior college, then went to UGA with my, and it was there that was part of the Wesley Foundation, part of just that movie guy. And, own own kind of revival experience. Then from there, uh, ended up went going to work for my dad and work in the family business. And man, I was just miserable because um, I knew, like, I didn't want to disappoint my dad, mm. and uh, and I knew that uh, that I wasn't built for that. That I was built to to pastor to to lead. So I had to one day walk into my dad's office and say, Dad, I need to need to be a pastor. I'll never forget like the hardest conversation. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Know, he, um, he's small business owner, you know, successful, but successful enough that like, I knew I was part of the succession plan. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he walked around the desk and put his hand on my shoulder. And he's like, I bless you. And like that, just like that freed me up where I started going to seminary, went to seminary while I was working there. And, but no churches would hire me because I hadn't finished seminary and, uh, mm. and, and because I didn't have experience. And I'm like, I'm trying to get education, <laughs> trying to get experience. Like, what you guys? But there was really in that waiting that God formed some things. And we started a ministry for high school students on Saturday night, a pastor of an old church in downtown Lawrenceville. He, uh, he let us, he let us use the building. And there were just a group of us that got around just, man, just started, um, we'd do service for students. It was the same group of us that in high school um, through FCA um, started, uh, there was a trailer. We had a coach who got radically converted, like uh, from doing Coke to following Jesus. And wow. so he opened up his trailer. And so we would share the gospel. We'd just invite people into the trailer on Friday morning to share the gospel. People were getting saved. We thought, <laughs> man, this is so easy. This is like, I mean, it was just, God was moving. And, uh, yeah. like, and so it was like, it was like every Friday morning we were seeing our friends come to Jesus. So it was like in that kind of movement. So I'm going, okay, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And then in college getting experience. That's what I want to do. And then um, and then we started that ministry for high school students with a handful of guys. They're still in ministry today. And um, and that's what I want to do. And then eventually an opportunity came at a church where some, where they called. And it was a church I grew up at. And so I was there for about two years um, doing high school ministry. And, uh, and it was a wonderful church to attend, but for me in just kind of a style of leadership, just a, it just wasn't, it wasn't a fit. So I began to pray, God, would you change me or change where I'm at? Mm. And, uh, and, and I was, I was going to go plant a church with, uh, with North American mission board with the U S two. And so I kind of pulled together a plan because I was looking for a noble out. 
Like if I'm honest, I just want like a real, like not, how do you argue with a guy? I'm going to Seattle to plant churches. Like yeah. you can't argue with that plan. Okay, yeah. we bless you. Right. That's right. What do you say? But can we come visit it every now and then? <laughs> That's right. So I felt like, man, this is the most like honorable, you know, kind of yeah. kind of mission to be on. And uh, and I was about uh, 20 days into a 40 day fast, and mm-hmm. I was um, and I was at Starbucks at the Mall of Georgia. I ran into uh, Kevin Myers, who's a senior pastor at Twelve Stone, and he said, "We're looking for a high school pastor." I said, "I'm not interested. I'm a church planner." And uh, <laughs> And he said, so I'm, I'm trying to get out of that. But he goes, uh, he goes, man, you need to talk to Dan Ryland. And the day before I'd listened to a John Maxwell enjoy tape about a guy named Dan Ryland. Mm. And so I ended up, uh, ended up like, well, maybe I should meet Dan Ryland, call him up. And he's like, yeah, let's meet. We end up meeting at the Starbucks. And uh, he said, do you bring your resume? And I like, put it together and I give it to him. And he didn't even look at it. He said, do you have a picture of your family? And I give him the picture of just my wife and I at the time we have kids. Mm. He goes, man, you've lost some weight. And I was like, what? He's like, you lost some weight. He said, are you dieting? And I'm like, no. He said, are you, uh, he said, are you fasting? And I was like, I mean, I didn't know because you just like, don't talk about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, but, supposed to but it's Dan Ryland. Like, yeah. so like, I tell you. <laughs> so, I, so I was like, yeah, fasting. And he said, what are the dates of your fast? September 1, October 10th. And he said, the elders and pastors are fasting and praying September 1, October 10th for a new high school pastor. So wow. I went yeah. from a church that I grew up at to a smaller church eight miles down the road which eventually be, it was crossroads at the time, eventually be called 12 stone. And I went, and that was the hardest move in my life because I had to disappoint a lot of people. And the yeah. same way I had to disappoint my dad. Yep. Now I was having to disappoint my pastor since I was a kid and disappoint a lot of people that I, that I knew and that I love. And, uh, but to go, and I knew it was the call of God. So we ended up going to, going to uh, 12 stone and we were there for 14 years and, uh, and loved that church, loved the people, loved the staff, loved the leadership. And, uh, but eventually God, God called us in this crazy story we don't have time for, but how he called us up to Nashville. And it's the hardest thing we'd ever done. Mm. But um, but God made it so clear, so, so clear. And um, and so now we're, we've been doing this for about two years and uh, just loving it, loving yeah. the city, yeah. loving the church, man. Yeah, well, great. one thing I want to go back to is that moment where you are working for your dad. Mm. You have felt the, the call into ministry. Um, when you were saying that, it made me think of a Spurgeon quote, I'm going to butcher it. Basically the calling of of ministry is if you can do anything else, do that. Yeah. But if you have that wrestling within yourself, that's God telling you, I'm not, this is not what I'm supposed to do. It sounds like that's what happened within you. I I can take you back to a, I was at a world of concrete show, you know, so I'm working for this company. I was at the (laughs) world of concrete show out in Vegas. I was up in the hotel room and I just began to weep. Mm. And I just began to weep because um, I was like, man, this is not my story. Like, this is not my movie. Mm. Now, if there's a movie that I'm a part of, like, this is not the one I'm supposed to be in. And I remember weeping. It was like, it was like all that, um, all that emotion that was behind that I kind of suppressed down because I didn't want to disappoint my dad just came out of that moment. And I'm like, man, this is, I, something has to change. I can't, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so I think, especially as dudes, when we weep, like when we have those moments where we're like, I just don't cry much, but when yeah. I do, like that's a good moment to just time out and go, okay, what am I feeling? What's the truth here? And how do I, how do I live in response to that? Mm. Um, so I think, I think part of when Jesus said, love Lord your God with all your heart, I mean, our heart is like the seat of our emotions and we're really good about suppressing emotions. But when we go back and look in our stories, those moments when we feel like, man, I'm about to explode here. Like, man, there's something deep that's, that's going on that needs to be, needs to be addressed. We need to have trusted friends that we can process through. So I have trusted friends that I could process through mentors and even people, like, even before I talk with my dad, just to kind of process through some of those things. And that was 
super helpful. So. Yeah. One, one other aspect of this and the word that just keeps coming up is, is disappointing others, yeah. disappointment. And, you know, as a leader, th- there are decisions that you're going to make that are going to disappoint some, but you know, it's God's call in your life. So can you, you know, the young leader who's sitting out there and they're wrestling with calling this yeah. decision that I'm going to make is going to disappoint. And not, you know, we definitely want to listen to the advice of those ahead of us. So if you're going to make a decision that's disappointing someone mm-hmm. and you know that you're in direct sin, like we're not saying that, but a calling on your life, especially from, you know, telling your dad that then to, to leaving 12 stone, which is a huge part of your story and probably right. some, you know, really close relationships down there. Yeah. Can you just kind of walk through that with a, for the young leaders listening, how do we handle the disappointment while leading towards the future and the vision that God has given us? Yeah. I mean, a lot of us are like, we just love people. That's why we get in. We love God and we love people Yeah, and we feel a sense of calling. And so I think in, in loving people, like we want to, we want to help people. We don't want to hurt people. And, um, and I think realizing that, man, sometimes our decisions hurt people. And so I think, I think just navigating through some of that. And at the time I didn't have words for it, you know, when I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm with my dad, but just knowing like, and I think that was important that he was the first person to bless me hmm. because that's what I really, what I needed was the father's blessing. And there've been other people where it's taken time when in those conversations, really, I think Ortberg says that leadership is disappointing people at the right they can stand. <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's a, so good. That's Ooh. a great, like, that's a great definition of leadership that like, yeah. if we're not willing to disappoint people, like we can't, we can't lead, but wisdom is knowing, okay, when do I need to move? When do I need to wait? And then I would just say for young leaders, like there was something, there was something that the Quakers did when they were trying to discern the will of God, they would pull the circle together. And so they get this circle of people around them that they knew were people who loved them and had an ear to heaven. And then they would share, Hey, here's what we're processing. And then that group would be able to speak in. And I just say, you know what you got, you need a circle that's outside of the people who will be affected most by the decision that Mm -hmm. you make. And I think that's, that's that council of advisors, right? That's where that wisdom comes from is being able to humble ourselves and share it with a group and not saying that we're making those decisions by committee, but being open to listen. Um, Because when you have moments like that, there will be moments when you have decisions like there'll be moments where you think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I am, I am crazy for doing this. But every person throughout the scripture who followed the call of God in their life, they thought the same thing. <laughs> like the, that's yeah. why the Holy Spirit's a comforter, because <laughs> we're gonna be called to do things that are uncomfortable, right? And so the Holy Spirit comforts us in that. But it's helpful to have a couple people look you look you in the eye and go, "You're not crazy." Yep, man, God's at work. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is this is the hand of God. I want to highlight something that Kevin just said, and I. Chandler and I don't know Kevin extremely well to spend a little bit of time with him, but I can already tell you he's an extremely empathetic leader um, that when he was talking about people's feelings, though, it could have come across like a little apathetic, but that is not the case at all because empathy for other people's feelings is different than apathy for other people's feelings. It's actually a, a, a blessing of stewardship that Kevin has when he's talking about, I can't make decisions based upon others' feelings. Yeah. And I've seen that so much in organizations mm-hmm. where a leader is frozen in place right. because they're trying to make their decisions on how somebody feels. Mm. When really you have to go in and say, I know that this decision is going to hurt somebody, but I'm trying to steward the, the I'm trying to steward the church that the Lord gave me to be responsible for. I can't be responsible for your feelings. I understand what you're saying. Right. I understand how you feel, right? Yeah. But I can't be responsible for how you feel. And so I I can tell you have strong empathy, man. Yeah, and I, I do care deeply. I think we just have to come to a place within us where we don't carry guilt and shame. And the enemy would love for us to be trapped in guilt and shame, you yep. know, for following the will of God. 
Mm. Right. And so I think, yeah, there's empathy. I care deeply. And I think that's part of the reason I have to wrestle this down is because I care so deeply. Yeah. Right. I mean, the people pleasing side, we're going, man, we just can't please everyone. That's so dangerous. And and follow the call of God. Like we mm. can't. So um, but then realizing, man, those five people in my house, like those are the people that I like, I better be the most in tune. Right? Yeah. To, to that's good. And even yeah. then it's moods. Like you can't let those things control, <laughs> right? I mean, I, it, it is, we just have to be, we have to be aware of what's going on in our inner space. And I'd say having a space to, man, I wish I could, if I, if I go back and talk to earlier me, having a space to wrestle down with God, right? What, the, what those feel, I'd say, feel the feelings, wrestle down with God, tell yourself the truth. And we do that in prayer. Like that's where we get to truth. And then, uh, and then we walk in the strength that comes from that. So mm-hmm. having that place of prayer to be able to wrestle down, because man, if we don't, we're going to constantly be trying to get stuff all off our chest to other people. Um, when the prayer is the place where we get it on the cross, like prayer is the place where we, you know, where I'm not just getting stuff off my chest, but I'm processing with God because really what we need more than anything, more than the circle of friends, you know, that kind of is, is to be able to, to hear from God on these things too. So, um, man. well, dude, there's a CSB Bible in front of you. If you want to go ahead and open it and start preaching, man. <laughs> I love it, man. This is, this is good. I'm just going to start keep listening. Uh, it's yeah. a nice Bible. That's a, <laughs> it's a, you know, God is not a God of consensus building. He, uh, he never has been he he builds the kingdom and I think all the time the little team that he led the the disciples I think I don't think they were ever really on the same page. No, <laughs> no, they were, no. no two of them showed up like, hey, can we be the VPs of the yeah, kingdom? So he's like, no. He's like, I just told you I was gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> a little tone deaf, yeah. <laughs> Bad time to ask. Okay, you've talked a lot about um, some pivotal moments in your life, Kevin. But can you tell us about maybe one of the bigger pivotal moments that you look back on that changed your leadership in life? Mm. Um, I think it was. Um, Man, it was a time when I got to ask speak, to speak at a conference and uh, and to follow Francis Chan. He was doing the first four <laughs> sessions, and I was session five. Dad, got and I it. got up and I thought, like, man, he's open up for me. This is incredible. And I got up, <laughs> he's the I'm opener. That's right. He's the opener. <laughs> but Brendan Manning was behind me. Oh and wow! I just thought, man, this is it. And I got up there and bombed it. Oh. And I bombed it so bad. And then after that, um, I went into like a mini depression. And I got home and I get, there was a book from Sing Young Tan in my mailbox. And in the mailbox, uh, I opened it up, and I had ordered it long time before and uh and it was uh but perfectly timed i got it that day and in that book on page three it says many a young man wants to do great things for god and that was my that was my mantra man that was my mission it says many young man wants to do great things for god but really a better aim of one's life is to do things for a great god Mm -hmm. he says many a man wants to do things for god which really means i want to i want to be well known and popular and bring god along for the ride but a better aim of one's life is to do things for a great God. It's like the spirit just said, okay, why don't you just do things? Let me be the great one. Yeah. And so I think that resurrection, that's what I'd say, man, like that resurrection came because of that, like the crucifix. I use that word lightly, but because of the, the, the pain and the suffering of failing miserable, mm-hmm. I think God removed anointing. I feel really bad for the, everybody who was at that conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you have Francis Chan, it's awesome, spirits moving. And then, and then I just think God removed something of anointing. He's like, man, if you want to do this on your own and for your own name, then I just can't get behind that. And that's what he says in scripture. He's like, man, if you humble yourself, I can lift you up. But if you, if you're full of pride, like I'll oppress you. And I think I felt in that time, like what it felt like to have mm-hmm. God oppress. And I'm like, man, I, I'm going to, I want to know God's hand the other way. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was that was a that was a marking. Our president Ben, he started out, and I can't remember what verse it was now, but God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Mm. You do you when you look at that verse, it's actually pretty scary when you take it literally, and it is literally like, man, I 
I do. I don't think I want God opposing me. <laughs> I don't think that's going to turn out very well. No. Yeah. There's lots of stories in Scripture that prove that. So yeah. being in a humble, a humble walk with the Lord, man, always pays its dividends. Yeah, it's what He wants. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, stepping into leadership as a young leader, I'm sure there were just a few mistakes along the way. <laughs> but what would you say was the biggest mistake that kind of taught you about leadership? Mm. He's like taking this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Besides the one I just mentioned, yeah, I, I mean, I think it does. It goes back to, man, trying to trying to force things, trying to uh, trying to make things happen fast. Um, I mean, I think we're leaders. We like to make things happen, but yep. we but we also lead um, people in organizations. And I think part of being empathetic, but then I also think like there's a thing of waiting on the Lord. And so we we a lot of times we'll hear something from God, and we're like, I got to make that happen. And uh, and man, you know, there may be a, a, an adjustment or a move. I just think about early on, there was somebody on on the team that I felt like I felt like man, it's just not a right fit. And I just acted way too quick. My first ministry job, I just acted way too quickly in that. And I should have sought wisdom and I should have, you know, and this was 2000 and 2001, 2002. And the way I handled that, I'm like, I just, did, I didn't know, but I should have been more careful um, with that and with, with people and especially with those kind of organizational moves. Um, so I think you like seek wisdom and then, um, and then just go with the pace of, um, of relationships, you know, yeah. and sometimes we do have to make fast calls, but I think to, to have wise voice, people who've gone before and said, man, how would you, how would you handle that? And I felt like, I think early on, I felt like, man, I got to figure this thing out and, um, and probably hurt some people, you know, yeah. along the way. So, yeah. Kevin, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Um, it was a book that, and there's a book called leadership and self-deception. And, uh, and in that book, just, I mean, just quickly, like he tells his story of he's, his, this is, this is the pick, this is worth the book. Now you don't need the book. Like, but, <laughs> but he said, he said he was laying in bed and his wife was, uh, tells the story. He was laying in bed and his wife was, uh, he heard the baby cry and, uh, the baby was crying upstairs and he was thinking, man, I need to get up, go up and help with the baby. And then he goes, why isn't she getting up and helping with the baby? Uh, and man, she's a bad mom. Well, wow. she's a bad wife. Like, and it all goes back to, he didn't do the thing that he was supposed to do. Mm. And so because of that, he put that on her and mm. just thinking, man, and you take that to a spiritual realm. Like when we live in disobedience or we have failure of nerve, you know, to act in things, um, we're only left with the place of, um, of being self-deceived, right. And then putting that on other people. And so that was just a, that was a, there was an awareness that came with that book that man, my inability to to respond or my unwillingness to do the thing that I'm supposed to do um, can can put me in a box where and put other people in a box where I don't see them as they as they truly are, you know. Um, so it was a yeah, it was a it's a great book. It's a great read yeah. and um, super helpful for me. Have you ever read? Uh, I can't remember who wrote it. You might know Chandler, but Extreme Ownership. Mm-mm. Jocko. Oh, the oh, Navy I don't, Seal. I don't remember yeah, his last yeah. name. Yeah, it's it, it feels very. Very similar, taking extreme ownership of your responsibility That's and good. your choices and stewarding them. I haven't read it either, but I yeah, I, I read to. it and it's 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 a great book. It is. Mm-hmm. He also has a, a shorter one. It's got big words on it. It's called Discipline Equals Freedom, mm-hmm. and it's another one that's it's pretty good by him. But going back to that, it's it's easy when you don't take action to start pointing fingers at others, yes. even in your own inaction. Yes, and that, yeah, self deception. That is especially in leadership where. And it comes back on you as a leader, especially mm-hmm. right. <laughs> where, why aren't they doing this? Well, ultimately they're following your example. That's right. And that should be a, you know, we talk, we talk often on the podcast of that should make us look in the mirror. Uh-huh. You know, if, 
rather than pointing the finger at those who are were, were leading, it comes yeah. back to us and our, where are we leading them to? It does. It's good. Yeah. Well, what was your biggest misconception starting out as a young leader? Hmm. Um, you know, I thought, I think early on, like it was, it was, I had these people that I wanted to be like, and I thought, man, I had to emulate them. And, um, and so I think that was, that was a big misconception that like, if I want to be effective as a leader, I have to, have to preach like Louis Giglio. So let me rip <laughs> off every sermon, right? You know, like yeah. early, early on, man, I was just like, man, I, I would go sneak over to North Point and get the tapes from 722, like where Louis was preaching. I was like, man, I got to preach, you know, so I want to preach like Louis. I want to, you know, evangelize like Billy Graham, I want to lead like these other pastors. Yeah. And so I think, man, um, I, I, because I, I wanted to be effective like them and, um, and I, I, I remember when Dan Ryland told me early on, first first day at 12 Stone, he said, uh, I got up in front of some people and I got up and I was talking. There were some district superintendents and people and I was just supposed to just welcome and I was, oh, and no. I put on this voice. I was like, well, we are really glad that you are here. And like this pastor voice. I was like, what? and I didn't even know. Where did it come it. from? Where did it come from? And I'm talking. I'm like, man, I want to bless you for being in the house of the Lord today. And I was like, and I'm sure dancing there going, who is this guy? Like, this is not, this is not who we hired, you know? And so he uh, said, down when he said, Kevin, he said, people like you best when you're you. Mm. He said, I'm not mm. saying that they like you and that everybody will like you. Yeah. I'm just saying they'll like you best. And I was just so liberating when he told me that. I was like, man, I wonder how many times we just put on Saul's armor because we think, man, that's what's required here. Yeah. Like, that's how I'm going to win the battle when, man, what God's been shaping and forming and building in us all along out in the field. Like, that's what, that's what this Goliath, that's what this next battle yeah. needs. So, um, so yeah, that was... That was the misconception. I That's think, good. I think of, uh, I remember reading an article a while back and it was talking about somebody who listened to Matt Chandler so much that he almost stood up in front of his congregation and said, I want to welcome the Denton campus, yeah. which is something oh that my Matt Chandler would say he's welcoming their campuses when it was, uh, you know, that video would be streaming. so embarrassing. And yeah. I, at that point, the guy kind of had a heart check of, oh my goodness, am I just emulating those mm-hmm. who I listen to all the time? Yeah. And especially in ministry, and Kevin, I, one thing I love about you is, you know, it seems I, you are the same on stage as off stage mm-hmm. and you, and that, that means that you are yourself yeah. when, you, when you are um, leading and, and teaching. And I think that is something that we should all strive for. And it's not, it is funny. Cause then you get up there and you're like, that was their, you know, preaching voice. That right. was, and then you talk to him off stage, you're, like, you're, you're kind of a different person than who you were up there. Yeah. And it's, it's God has uniquely wired you for who you are. And, Louis's gift is different than your gift and we all have a different gift. And if we don't play our part, then we're not living up to how God uniquely wired us. So, so true. I think it's just over, over, we put on all these things and then over time, just take these things off. It just, I think, um, I read somebody, they were saying, man, it takes, you know, it takes years and years and years and years and years of preaching to find your voice. Mm. I just think that's, that's so true, you know, and, uh, and just being willing, God's patient. Man, it takes a lifetime to learn how to live, right? I mean, it's yeah. forming Christ in all of us, but when preaching, it's Christ's character and truth through our personality. And some of it's just becoming comfortable with who we are and who he's made us to be. And, uh, and but like Dan said, that's when they, they, they're going to like you best when you're you, not when you're bless you, brother. I'm glad you, I mean, that's, that's a true story, man. I love that. It's, yeah. uh, as leaders, you know, I, I think, I think we want people to emulate our character mm-hmm. if we have good character. You know, it's like, going after the fruit of the spirit and trying to emulate healthy spiritual habits, but like 
just be authentic. Emulate your own authenticity. Like you do your own thing, but hopefully you can emulate people that are ahead of you, their character. That's that's what to focus on, I feel like, so yeah. much. And, and so, yeah, good thoughts. Um, next question, what are some of the qualities that you wish you had as a younger leader? Mm, more humility. Um, yeah, and I would say like, I'd say prayer is a quality. I mean, especially as a, I, mean, I, I, I think now, man, I wish I could go back and just say, man, build a prayer life. Like that's the one thing we get to choose. I mean, we get to choose. I mean, if you're if you're married, like you got to choose your spouse, and like you want to get to choose where we're born. We get to choose our. I didn't get to choose my height. I mean, six foot four. Like I didn't get to choose that. Like, I didn't, <laughs> five nine and a half. Like that's. I just. Did, I mean, there's so many things we don't get to choose yeah. in life. But man, we we get to choose our prayer life. Mm. And as Ravenhill said, no man is greater than his prayer life. Mm. And so I'm reading through all these biographies, man, people who changed the world, who God used to change the world, they all had a robust prayer life. And uh, one day I just felt like God was saying, you want Durham to inherit a lot of things, but do you want him to inherit your prayer life? Mm -hmm. Durham's my oldest boy who likes tech. And I, uh, and I felt like God was saying, you get to choose. And so I was like, I want to build a prayer life that I can hand off to him. And so, man, if I could go back to 20 year old, I mean, I just think about like, if that is the most powerful and effective force on the planet, like, man. How 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 my life would be different had I built that prayer life then? Mm. I I think this could be a good time. I, I'm trying to remember where I heard you say this. It might have been were you were you on Carrie Newhoff's podcast yeah. at one point? Yeah, might have been Carrie's. So you talked about and you rushed over it a little bit in your story, but your transition from 12 to cross point. A lot of that had to do with prayer. Yeah, I would. Can you do you mind fleshing that story yeah, out really I'll, quickly? I'll, I'll try to give kind of a thumbnail sketch. Like so, I. In January of 2017, I felt like God, um, and, and I had this little, Dan Ryland told me, he said, man, if you want to build a prayer life, I told him I was struggling with it. He said, Kevin, he said, pick a place, pick a time and have a plan. And like that, that helped me is just having, so it was a green chair, you know, that I go to, it was the same time I put it on my calendar and I kept it like I keep any other meeting. R.T. Kendall said that, that prayer is simply keeping company with God. Mm. And so it, if I'm pray, if I'm talking to God, it's prayer. If I'm listening, it's prayer. If I'm reading through scripture, it's prayer. If I'm worshiping, it's prayer. So mm. that helps me to go, it doesn't have to look like Acts, A-C-T-S. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it takes <laughs> it out of that realm where it's just, um, you know, theoretical or where it's just, I'm following a list and it's just more keeping company, just like we're hanging out, you know, right now. And so that was, so being down in that basement and I just began to sense God saying, I want you to go cross point. So, so for two and a half months, I would just journal, God, I don't know if I have what it takes. If you think I have what it takes, you ask me, you know, will you come and get me? Like, I'm not going to knock on their door. They'll have to come and get me. Yeah. They hadn't reached out they to you yet. Out. I didn't yeah. know anybody who was on staff there. Right. So this uh, was just something that the Lord laid on your heart. Yeah. And my sister-in-law lived in Nashville and, uh, and her husband, he's, he's in a band. And so they didn't have a church home at the time. And so I knew if they were going to go to church, it'd be a church like Crosspoint. And so I was praying for Crosspoint to find a pastor before, I felt like God was saying, I want you to go. And so I just, I hold on, I held on to that. And that's what I talk about, just waiting on the Lord, like waiting on God to move. You know, we can pry doors open, but when we pray doors open, like that's, that's when yeah. we go, God moved here. And, and and there's just a confirmation that comes with that. And so they ended up, they ended up, I had a video that kind of went uh, 12 stone put online and kind of got shared on Facebook a lot. And and uh, and I pray, God, if you want them to, if you want to, you can have them see that and <laughs> call me. Was that the one about speak. like Chipotle? Yeah, that was the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. It was viral. Yeah, it was viral. That's so, so good. That's so good. So, so I was like, God, if you want them, they can see it and ask me to come and speak. And so I, I ended up getting a text two days later. And, uh, so saying, crazy. Hey, search team wants to talk with you about, and I'm going, nobody ever asked me to be a lead pastor before. 
Never really? had, yeah. And so I'd never had those kind of conversations. I'd had people ask me, do you want to be a lead pastor? But even with that, I felt weird. It kind of felt like, man, that's something somebody else needs to tell me. Like, we could say, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so I just, you know, I, did I think that maybe one day I would be a lead pastor? Yeah, but I didn't. I've, I've struggled with like selfish ambition yeah. my whole life that where I was like, man, I could, I don't want to make that decision out of selfish ambition, mm. you know, because I think that we can, we can promote ourselves beyond our anointing. But God will never promote us beyond our anointing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. when God promotes us. We know it's like with David. David was anointed to be king. So God wasn't going to promote, and it's in His time. Yep, you 17 know? years between the anointing years, right? and Him sitting on the throne. Yes. It's crazy. And so, so if we rest and go, okay, God, you've anointed me for the yeah. work, and you're going to put me in that position. But I, but that's why selfish ambition is so dangerous. Is because we can clamor for positions and seats like the disciples. Jesus, we can we sit like right there? Jesus, like, and they even sent their mom, right? They didn't <laughs> yeah, even yeah. ask themselves. Yeah. They sent their mom to ask, and it's like, yeah. it's like, like, Jesus is like, you don't even know what you're asking, and like, I, that's not me to give those seats. Like, it's up to the Father. And in other words, he's just saying, just trust. Like, I'm sovereign over the seats that you'll have. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he didn't he didn't say it's not wrong. He didn't say it's wrong to be great. He said, let me redefine what greatness is. Greatness is serving. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the choice we get to make. Are we going to humble ourselves and serve? Are we going to humble ourselves and pray? We don't pray for humility. We serve and we pray. You know, that, and yeah. that's where humility comes from. And it is an ongoing fight entire life, right, to fight against pride. But, um, but when we fight against it, like, that's how we win, and that's how we know God lifted us up, man. That's all. Well, so. if I ever apply for Crosspoint, I'll send my mom to talk to you first. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's that's the way. That's oh, so well. Hey, like mom, that. Anita, can you go talk to <laughs> Kevin for me? Maybe just put a good word Anita. in. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell him that you homeschooled me. But like other things. <laughs> I love that story. It's very, very cool. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Mm. Well, let's move to the quick hitters now. Yeah. So these are short one minute answers. The first one's this. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that yeah, good stuff? I go to bed like an old man. So I can get <laughs> up like I get up, uh, so my wife and I we get up at four fifteen. Wow. And so we're up um in this prayer, like just keeping company with God. And then uh we just go work out six. This morning worked out at six thirty and uh so then we'll do like a, we do like a class, you know, we'll have to think about what I'm going to do, yeah. uh, pick a time, pick a place, right? And they have the plan, <laughs> you know, and so go and do that. And so we've done CrossFit for a long time, do a thing called Iron Trap now, and it's similar. Um, and then we end up, uh, then I come back, get ready. And usually um, I'm in the office right around nine um, on the days that I go in. So usually like one day of the week I write. And so that's like message prep. And, yeah. And uh, usually preparing for, for teaching issues on Monday and I try to get get moving on that. And then the other days it's getting about nine o'clock, try to um, finish up around four, four thirty. Um, usually making calls in the Nashville traffic and uh, taking care of that. And then, uh, then get home and I've got four kids and they've all got activities. And so it's trying to be fully present and be there for them, love on them and get them where they need to be. And then, uh, then we hang out and usually in bed about nine thirty. And uh, so that's, that's life. That's and, awesome. Uh, Friday's my favorite day because it's my day off and it's yeah. date day with Ree and we hang out and we're in Nashville and we've only been here two years. So there's a lot of restaurants we haven't eaten, a lot of things yeah. we haven't seen. So we just love to explore, hang out. And uh, she's my best friend. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's Friday's the best day. That's so, very cool. cool. Go to Liberty Common. I went there. Yeah, have you been there? Yeah, it's a good spot. Oh, it's, I, I got to try, I got try it out. With Daniel M. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. it is. It was really good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Canada now. Bye, yeah. Daniel. That's right. <laughs> Daniel, you can't. You don't have a lady coming up there, man. Nope. We got it, and it's awesome. If you're listening to this, Daniel, I miss you. Chandler does not miss you. So I'm just, I'm, just, I'm in your corner, man. Uh, Kevin, what's your favorite personality test? 
I don't know, maybe ever right now. I know yeah. there's so many new ones all the time. I, I really can't keep up with them, man. <laughs> uh, so I'm just not, I'm not a big personality test guy. I'm sorry to disappoint. What man. do people type you as on the Enneagram? Like, do you ever get in conversations with ANEF and she's like, I think you're this, Kevin, on no, the Enneagram? No, I really, I don't. Really? I, she yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I said one time, man, I think I'm a seven, and I didn't get the response that I thought I was. So I, was like, I was like, so I don't even want to play. I don't even want to play. And so uh, I think, like, if, as a kid, may, like, can it change, you know? So I don't yeah. know. I, I, yeah, not real big. That, that is the funny thing about Enneagram. You can say something, but everybody's, like, waiting for you to say it so they can tell you what you really are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so thanks like, for your opinion. I tap out, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I did a lot of work with, like, StrengthsFinder and stuff. Yeah. You know, I found that to be helpful at the time, and I think it's just— I think it's just the process of self-discovery. I struggle with it because I've just struggled with pride, you know, through my life. And so, man, I know how easy, easy it is to be obsessed with me. And so I had about mm. a year where I was like, man, I want to know myself. And so I just, you know, I really sought to know myself. I took every personality test, every profile, you know, that I could during that year. And then I was like, man, I got about a couple of months in. I was like, I am bored with me. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like I'm, I'm really not that Im- impressed with me anymore. You know, so it was like, but I, I do think those things are helpful so we can know ourselves and so we can be self-aware. And, and But I think, man, at the end of the day, like, it's just like with social media, we can get so focused yeah. on ourselves that we yeah. just forget that it's about God and it's about other people. And yep. uh, and so I I can do just about enough of those things yeah. and then, I'm, then I have to tap out. So Pride is so dangerous because there's no middle ground. You either think too little of yourself with pride or too much of yourself with pride. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. Yeah. Absolutely. And. I mean, I was, I was, I was just gonna say like, and I think the other part is, man, we do, we can't judge other people. Like, I just think like other people are able to manage it better than I can, you know? Like, so I can't judge somebody else for being on Instagram and up forever, how long, like that's, they're just able to handle it different. So I think the part of it, like when we struggle with something and then we see, it's like when you're fasting and then you see other people eating and you're like, man, all you guys do is think about food. Yeah. You would just think about <laughs> yeah. food. Like, so yeah. it's like, so even battling gets like self-righteousness, yeah. which is another form of pride. So it's like, I think the important thing, like if we're not careful, we can go through life and we can treat pride like whack-a-mole. Like we're constantly trying to beat this thing back rather than going, okay, but if I worship, if I keep my attention on Jesus, I yeah. fix my eyes on Christ. Mm. And if I'm focused on loving people, that's the best way. If I'm praying, you know, yep. I'm serving, like that's the best way to overcome pride. Because if if pride is our focus, then we constantly live distracted, which is another one of the enemy's goal. You know, that just takes us out of the game. Yep. Where we're just like, man, because it's something that we will, we'll battle against mm. all life. So. Yeah, you know, there's a quote. It's basically saying like, humility is fleeting. As soon as you think you are, it's gone. Yeah, and it just, you know, when you said that, Josh, it made me think of that. So it's elusive. Yeah. So, Kevin, what is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Man, I I struggle. I, I saw this question. You guys sent me. I'm like, I don't know. Everybody, like the, all yeah. my habits are usual. Like for me, like you're asking me. I'm so boring. Like yeah, I'm like I'm like these are these are usual. They're usual, like because they're habits in my life and what I do. Yeah. But I did ask. Um, I did ask a couple people on the team because I want to come prepared. And <laughs> that's uh, a good idea, by yeah. the way. So ask like, others that yeah. know you. I was like, what do I do that that you see? And um, and I think some of it might just be with transitional leadership mm-hmm. and maybe that you know coming into a church it was established in teams and going. But I said, man, what do I do that's that's unusual? And uh, and they said, um, they said you um, you ask you ask a lot of questions, um, 
and you don't like you don't give your answer first. So you just you let the room talk. And I think just early on figuring out like people want to know what I'm thinking. Like at a table when you're leading a meeting, they're like, okay, what's he thinking? What's he? But letting the room letting the room speak. And so I didn't realize that I did that. I just know from uh, in other settings and being with other leaders, like once the leader speaks, it's oh, no, the, com- right? the conversation's it's, over. It shuts it down. Yeah, yeah. I had this great idea, but you <laughs> know what? Over. No. That's so yeah. I think that's been something that I've that I think maybe that's uh, that's become a habit just to just to navigate through the through the change. And, so I'll let you talk at me for a second, if that's okay. Or I'm going to ask you to. I really struggle with this in meetings sometimes because I can be sitting in a meeting. And I'm just going to be as vulnerable as I possibly yeah. can right now. Sitting in a meeting, I know the way we need to go. Yeah. I get, it is very, very clear. Yeah. But it kills me. And I think as of yesterday, I was in a Zoom meeting and my wife was uh, at the other end of the <laughs> table, kind of you're not listening, but she was working. And I sent her a text. I was like, this is so painful because I know the answer right now. <laughs> and I want to say it so badly, but I also want to be in a position of listening and trying to get the team there. So looking at Josh, Josh, yeah. here's what you need to do to slow down your thinking, be open to more suggestions. Yeah. How would you... Are you on the team or are you leading the team? Leading the team. Leading the team. Mm-hmm. So I think just by even by questions, what questions do is they give us an opportunity to see where people are and how they think. Okay. And so we, I think by even, by even asking questions, we can see, because really what we're trying to do is we're trying to, we're trying to help people think through the process. So, um, something Dan Ryland would do when he's leading team, he's like, Hey, let's think through three different solutions. So even the, when a lot of times we get locked in binary when we're leading a group and we go, man, we know the way to go, but just helping the group think outside of just A and B, that's C option, which might eventually lead to a D or an E, but sometimes just to break us free from, from that. So he would ask a lot of questions and then he would just sit back and let the room talk and what he's also doing at that time is you're studying you're studying the players that you have at the table Mm. and so you want to know man how do they think how do they respond how do you read their you know because i think as leaders sometimes we're intuitive and so we think man we can read minds yep you know and that's where we get in trouble a lot of times because different personality types you know i can have somebody that they're sitting back in their seat and i think man they just do not care about this but then I find out over later on that they're sitting back because they're overwhelmed mm. and they're thinking, I don't know what to do. You know, so I think a lot of times we're picking up and we see body language that's like completely out. But if we're just given the way, we we don't take that time to to learn the teams that we have, and uh, and with those. And Zoom is tough. Like it's tough when we're leading, you know, through sure right through uh, through a computer through a lens that that. But especially when we're when we're live in a room, it's just important to to use that as a time to to learn and to see interaction and to watch people's eyes and to see where where people are looking and who's who's uh who's making little alliances right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Like that's all. There's a coalition <laughs> forming. It is, man, it is yeah. but it's but it's our opportunity to learn because we're gonna have to lead through that outside yeah. of me. But if we said, hey, this is what I want to happen, we'd miss all of that. And then um and then I think man, I think it's important in those groups to to pray first. Like that's what we at Crosspoint, like we started saying, like prayer is not the only thing we do. It's just the first thing we do because mm. prayer is the grand invitation of God. And we live in a secularistic society, the secular world that says there is no God, but prayer is the one thing that we can do to announce God is here. Yep. Right? The kingdom of God is here. And so when we pray, it's an invitation for everybody. It's an acknowledgement. Hey, this is not up to politics and little sideways resident. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to come do what he does. And so I think we can jump into a meeting. And I just say, man, to begin every meeting with prayer and to let other people pray, and it gives an opportunity to hear where their heart. I'm not evaluating their prayers. I just want to know, man, are we all connected to the same source here? Mm. <laughs> are we dependent on Him? Yeah. And that, and then it takes it out of um, it takes it out of just the, the, us trying to make things happen to us asking God to do the things that only He can do. 
And I love that. So cool. Thank you. So yeah, that's why you had me. You know, you had me pray before this so you could evaluate <laughs> me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got some notes too. <laughs> Saw you right there in it. Yeah. Kevin, oh, Kevin uh, Chandler prayed for us. Kevin, we started the podcast off in prayer, and I, I really like that. It was good. Yeah. Was great. Hopefully, Chandler keeps remembering to do you it. Did so. great, Chandler. Did great. <laughs> did great. Uh, What's your favorite app on your phone right now? Favorite app on my phone. Man. Like you're going to say the humility app. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, I really do. Uh, I mean, probably the one that I use the most is, is Instagram. Like, I mean, I know this, I don't have like a great like business leadership um, answer, but I mean, with having teenage girls and, uh, and it helps me keep, I've got a lot of people that I miss back in Atlanta and a lot of relationships there. Um, you know, it helps me get, stay connected with the family my friends, but I try to like, there just comes a time where I'm like, I'll, I'll spend a couple minutes on it and then I'm like, okay, I got to tap out. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, um, just scrolling. So, I mean, I think in like, seriously, like I have to like just moderation on that mm-hmm. thing and then just knowing like, like it doesn't really matter and it doesn't really count. And so, um, so like, I'm just not that good about about posting stuff and doing that. I probably don't work that according to <laughs> certain people's standards, but um, but man, I, I do like to stay connected with my family and friends. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months? Man, I picked up um, Mark Sayers' book, that uh, Reappearing Church, and uh, strong, strong read. But he just talks about revival and renewal movements mm. and, uh, and talks about how culturally we're at a point in Western culture where we're prime for moves. So that was, uh, that was a great one. Um, and then the other one, there's a book called Traction that's, uh, that's just talking about organizational leadership. So that was a great leadership book. And uh, my brother is running the family business now, and he's got his uh, MBA, so he'll he'll send over uh, yeah. solid reads. So yeah, that's good. I got one more quick hitter before we get to the last one. Since your viral video is about Chipotle, what's your Chipotle order? Man, I'm a I'm a bowl guy. Yeah, um, I ate paleo for a couple years, and okay. it ruined me on the tortillas. Man, it's a <laughs> sin now. You know, or at least when my wife is looking. So like, <laughs> I uh, so I get a bowl, and um, man, I'm I'm half steak, half chicken. You get more meat that meat. way, yeah. But I do double meat okay. on top of that, and yeah. then uh, got to get the guac, man. So uh, you know, guac yeah. is extra. No, <laughs> yeah, it is extra. It is. So. That's, That's great. great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, Kevin. Last question. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? Mm. Mm. Um, that if you if you give honor, if you honor the leaders above you, um, it will come back. And honor is in every room and in every conversation. Um, truly, like you reap what you sow. And it's, uh, man, I'll tell you the cool part too. I don't think it's just where you're at at that point. I think it follows you in your life. And so, um, so man, just, man, just do whatever you can to, uh, to honor those leaders. And, um, a lot of that has to do, and then the second, I'm giving two pieces of advice. The okay. second one is like, um, don't, don't be obsessed with what they think about you because, um, the goal is that they wouldn't think about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they've got a job to do. <laughs> you want to, like the less they can think about you actually, the better. Yeah, right? that's good. You know, yeah. so, uh, so man, don't just, uh, just do what God's called you to do there and, and find your, your voice and the, mm-hmm. the way that he's called you to lead and then honor, honor leaders. And eventually it will come back, you know, for you. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thanks for joining us today yeah. and sharing a little bit of your leadership journey with us. And thank you for listening today. If you found this helpful, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. So other leaders like yourself can find the podcast and get some Chipotle and get some Chipotle. We'll see See you next week. week.
Bye.